There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. I'm Jim White, and today myself, Simon and Danny Murphy began by looking back at last night's Champions League defeats for Newcastle and Celtic. We were also joined in studio by former Chelsea midfielder John Obi mikel who reflected on his career and talked all things Chelsea. Plus, we were joined by football's lawmakers IFAB with Chief Executive Lucas Brood discussing the future of VAR and a whole lot more. This is Outspoken with White and Jordan. Danny, Simon, Newcastle, bottom of the Champions League group with four points from their opening four games. Um, after returning to the Champions League to much fanfare, as I said in the intro, are they about to go out with a damp squib? Uh, this was Eddie Howe post-match. The frustration on our performance, knowing that there's more in the tank for us to give, we, we're better than that. We can show a better version of that of ourselves than we did so a frustration that I don't think Dortmund have seen the best Newcastle and that always leaves when you're in my shoes a feeling of frustration but we have to accept it we've delivered it yeah we can only look to the future now Have New, Newcastle been good enough in, in this tournament so far Danny have they shown enough? I actually think he's been a little bit crit- over critical the first half wasn't a new, as good as we've seen Newcastle be, but it was a new new system. Well, not new system, but new personnel in that system. Um, second half, I thought they had a right good goal. Should have got back in. I thought the home game, they went toe-for-toe with Dortmund, did the crossbar a couple of times, could have got something out of it. They've beaten PSG, only got a credible draw in Milan. They are way ahead of schedule. Mm. He's done a remarkable job, Eddie Howe, and, and actually they've, they've been so unlucky getting in this group. Well, if they're way ahead of schedule, how would you view a Champions League group exit? I, if As long as they get in Europa League and finish third, they'd have, they'd have a great chance of going on to win that. I wouldn't see it as a catastrophe. They've been unlucky with this group. They've got horrendous injuries. They've been in every game. Um, I would just put it as down to a learning curve and just make sure... A they learning get, curve? Yeah. Cause you see, when we had club director Jamie Rubin on, he said, this ain't no learning curve. We're in this for real because don't think of it as a free hit. Have a listen definitely no free hits we're here to compete we believe we can go uh, very far in this competition uh, the self-belief the team have the coach have the players have and the ownership have means that we always want to progress and we always want to uh, show the, the quality we have on the pitch 
And I'm sure we're going to give a great account of ourselves throughout the rest of the competition. It's a tough group. Let's be clear about that. But, you know, we welcome the competition and we say bring it on. So bring it on. I mean, Simon, he wasn't exactly saying we're in it to win it, but not far off. Um, maybe. I mean, obviously, when you put a question to somebody about a free hit, um, they're going to respond in a way because ultimately they're in a competition to try and, and, and advance the, the best way they can. Mm. I mean, I'm not entirely sure you'll take at face value what Jamie Rubin has to say about it all. It was a free hit. Predominantly about property in Newcastle, that deal. But the bottom line is, is that Newcastle, I mean, there's no prosthetic for an amputated Geordie spirit, is there? As I snigger behind my hands a little bit. But... They play Dortmund, and Dortmund are an experienced European side. Mm. They've not, you know, they've not been beaten at home for 27 games besides a 4-0 thumping on the weekend by by, by Bayern Munich, which yeah. means there was going to be a bounce back effect. So I really don't think you can look at Newcastle in this round and, and say they went toe I for thought toe. They were bloody luck- unlucky game. in the first game. They were, you know, they were very unlucky in the first game, and in this game, okay, they've come up against a formidable, very experienced campaigner in Borussia Dortmund to have come out of this group so far with beating PSG. I mean, PSG were rubbish, to be fair, but they, but they, but they really did put them to the sword to get a credible result against Milan. And it's it's ironic because Rob Lee. I was talking about two weeks ago about how well they'd done in the campaign when he was there 20 years ago and he said and the thing for us was we slipped up with PSV we thought that the PSV was after the Lord Mayor's show and those were the games that undid us so in this group you're looking at Milan you're looking at PSG Lord you might Lord. think Dortmund are slightly the run to the litter if you're Newcastle and here we are with no points out of two games against well, yeah, let's, give it, let's give it some reality for only four of that starting 11 had played Champions League football before well you've got to do it sometime no, I mean, no, Jim, cannot... Jim, we're talking about we're talking about the reality of Champions League. When you've only got four players and you start eleven who've played Champions League football before arriving this season in, with Newcastle, that they're on a learning curve. They're gonna be better for it. They're playing three great really solid good sides in their group. And actually, let's let's not forget something else. They're not out. They're not out. You no. know, they, they get four points. I'm not sure they'll be happy with learning curve, though. I mean, once well, you're in it, make no, your mark. It's not whether they're happy with I think they've that's got the to reality. Be, they've, they've, got to be yeah. a, they've got to be AC Milan because I think they'll find themselves in a different experience with PSG next time around. Um, so they've got to be AC Milan, and even that puts them in a slightly invidious position. They win I, both to go through. I, yeah, but I don't think they will. But I think, I think as far as Newcastle are concerned, to get to the Champions League was ahead of schedule. To perform in the way that they've performed in all the games, because they've been in all the games, mm. and they can consider themselves potentially unlucky not to have taken at least one point out of the two games against Borussia Dortmund. So with that in mind, I think you look at Newcastle's campaign and say, this is an extension of their development. They've gone from a side that was that Eddie picked up with a club that was in disarray or it was dysfunctional because they loathed the owner to a club that's in forward movement, to a club that avoided relegation at a, at a canter in the first season, that got in the Champions League, that are punching this season their weight and are punching their weight... Um, in the Champions League so I think everything about Newcastle right now with all due respect besides some challenges off the field with players getting banned for stupid behaviour or addicted behaviour or, or injuries or injuries I think there's a lot more than just simply writing Newcastle off and saying oh have they found their level well they've got more chance to, the reality is if they drop into Europa League they've got more chance of winning that than the Champions League anyway yeah but that's not the, the way you want to go no when, I'm, when saying, I'm saying I'm League. saying as a, as a softener you know, this this isn't a Newcastle squad that's expecting to win the Champions League. Irrelevant of what that fellow just said, who was on, because they're no, they're not, they're not with the elite yet. I, I, th- I mean, the other thing as well, just to add, 
you're not just talking about a group of players who are new to this, you know, playing midweek, weekend. Yeah, you're talking to management Eddie team. Howe's never done it. Yeah. yeah. So this, this squad's evolving really quickly and nicely. He'll get everyone back fit again. The biggest thing for Newcastle, making sure they're in it again next season. Well, that's it. But when they were at the draw, Simon, earlier on, and the draw is made and out comes Milan, yeah, Dortmund group, and PSG, they're like, wow, wonderful. They're not thinking, if we don't make it in there, no. we've always got the Europa League. Of course no, they're not. Of, of course not. But yet not. today we are. Of, and we're expected to believe of that. Of course not. But and accept that. There's two ways that you run your football club there's through the through the eye and the prism of the media or through the reality of what you actually price into your own thinking you are the media first and foremost no I'm saying through the eye of the media yeah um, and being in the media and having owned a football club I can speak to both not Champions League level of course but notwithstanding it you, f- you focus these things in your mind yeah. Newcastle would have looked at this and gone we've got 35 million quid or whatever it is additional revenue which means that we can push the barriers in terms of financial fair play we're yeah. in a competition they won't be worried if they go out they won't want to go out no. but they won't be they won't be you know wringing their handkerchief if they do the fans okay. will be disappointed but what an experience what an atmosphere that club is currently producing on the field and in the stadium okay, not many well, teams go to Dortmund and get something download stand well back listen outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station talk sport what does Jim White want Eddie Howe to be sacked for not qualifying out the group for the first attempt in 20 years no I don't want that uh, sure. Dan in Newcastle Dan up there in Newcastle no not at all but um, at the end of the day Newcastle are bottom of the Champions League group admittedly it's a tough old group four points from their opening they'd have cruised games. out the group if they had an easier draw and the fact is those Newcastle fans are going to have three amazing trips whether they go through or not Paris Saint-Germain Dortmund and Milan wonderful about two, the trips two years ago forget the football two great years trips. ago they thought three years ago they thought they might be in a championship mm. while Newcastle were toiling in Dortmund a little bit after that Celtic took to the field uh, in Madrid and Celtic were duly battered by Atletico Madrid six goals to nil it's a dreadful scoreline isn't it but of course you have to take into account that early on they lost a man uh, they went down to 10 men and that was a, a debatable decision in itself but what this brings to mind is what Brendan Rodgers said back in July when he got the job at Celtic for the second time. I mean, he was asked about, all right, Brendan, what about Celtic's Champions League ambitions under you again? We have to be realistic. You know, it, it's really exciting and it's obviously, you know, it's a competition that has, uh, is the highest level that you can that you can play in, in club football. I think what's important for us is to be really competitive against the top, top level teams. But it's also European football as a whole, uh, is to try and get as far as we possibly can in whichever competition we're in. Of course, when we arrive into the, the Champions League, we want and uh, our ambition is to to, to qualify out to that uh, out to that group stage. That is a huge challenge. However, it's a challenge that we'll embrace. Uh, if not, then we want to try and ensure that we've got European football after after Christmas and go as far as we possibly can. Well, um, they haven't done that. Not even close. I mean, Danny, they did go down. Did you see the the uh, decision? I didn't. Um, the red card decision, extremely debatable. I don't I know if you saw it, it Simon. Morning, I did. Um, what did you think? Not that it really matters now, but it's gone. But it's, it's gone. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't think it was. I didn't think it was a great decision. But I also think that Celtic's response to it to go and get beat six 0 is not all great. Is not a great reaction to it. Yeah. I mean, has it come to the point, Simon, when you can't judge Scottish club managers on Europe anymore? No, it's not good enough. That's not a good enough argument. And Brendan doesn't get a way of pricing into the thinking to manage expectations at the beginning of the season. Because, with due respect, the turnover of Feyenoord is no bigger than the turnover of Celtic. So with the financial argument being put into play, the two clubs have an equivalency. 
and Feyenoord may well get into the if 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 Chelsea are going to get, they're going to get booted out of the Champions League because of the argument that Brendan's advancing, then they land in the Europa League. Right now, they're going to land in neither, are they? Because they're being so poor. So with that in mind, you look at Feyenoord and say Feyenoord have taken four points. Where are Celtic in this argument? Feyenoord had the same turnover. We make the same argument about the Eredivisie as a league that's not particularly yeah, that compelling. Yeah, yeah. And, and and if you've got the same financial revenues in terms of about 80 million quid, where's the argument? What I, I, We can say that the argument might be that the Scottish League isn't as strong as the Eredivisie. Well, that's subjective. But it's this, this, this Celtic outcomes, and even with Ange last year, he got away with it a little bit last year because he got a credible draw against Real Madrid. But the rest of the time, they were poor in that Champions League group. What a good Celtic fan thing. Um, off the back of what Simon's saying there, Ewan's a big Celtic fan. Ewan, good morning. What's your take on that? The headline is 6-0, but what does it tell us about Celtic in the Champions League, Ewan? It doesn't really tell the whole story. It's it's easy to beat us with the same same old Celtic always losing in Europe. But to me, Brennan's got like a free hit. Um, and I, I know that means that, that might sound silly, but he's got a free hit in Europe because, purely because last year, Ange was the first one in the... It's the first time in the group stages last season under Ange for a, a period away. He had a plan. He's now moved on to what he perceives as bigger and better things. Brendan's came in. There was a massive hangover um, when Ange left. Brendan trying to stamp his new philosophy and come into his way of playing. And that's, there was a massive hangover going into match day one. We were also ravaged by injuries, but nobody's mentioned that. There's been no analysis. It's easy for everybody to put the boot into this. But nobody analyses it the way they do with other teams. I know Newcastle were the big story, the first one, didn't, and I get that, and we're a bit of a gap filler. But you need, you need to do his justice. Brendan um, will go on. I think if you look at the performances, in pockets, not completely, but in pockets, we can. We, there's something there for us to build on. There is potential for us to be able to compete at this level. And I know, I'm not saying we're going to win it, but competing, getting out of the group, or getting into the, the last stages of the UEFA, well, he's saying that he should be. He's saying the argument that Euron was making that he should be given a pass. Yeah. And so on that back on that backstory that he's advocating for, which is the change of culture from Ange to Brendan, um, injuries like every football club has. I'm pretty sure he won't know what the roster of players is at Feyenoord and how injured their players may not have been right. to get results that they've got. Right. I don't think Brendan is entitled to it. I really don't. It's not. I really like Brendan. I don't like the way he behaved towards the end at Leicester. I thought that was weak on his part. Yeah. And I don't like the politic and I don't like the setting up of the season in such a way which is. He's already priced in failure. He's already made sure that people start to s swallow that particular pill. So when it comes along, there's an opportunity to him to say, well, I did suggest that we're going through this. Ultimately, one, one, point, one, point, one point after four games is not where they should be. And he will know that. He's not daft. Yeah, and they they should have. There's you can have an excuse for one game, but each game there's they're nearly they they're nearly there, and you you can't be nearly there more. You know you can have one game where you yeah. get a bit bad luck, but not four. And, and they should be doing better, but there are mitigating circumstances for Celtic. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work you really really want it all to work out while you're away monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind when all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync things just flow wherever you are tap the banner to go to monday.com hey it's danny pellegrino from everything iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Simon, when this fellow was at Chelsea, he found himself in a very good place. John Obi Mikel uh, at Chelsea it lasted over a decade, 10 years, during which time he won 10 trophies, as well as an Africa Cup of Nations and a bronze medal at the Rio Olympics with Nigeria. You know, when you think of it, he left in 2017, having won the Premier League twice, the FA Cup four times, the League Cup twice, the Champions League, the Europa League as well. There was nothing <laughs> left to win. And he won the lot. John, good morning. Thank you. Good morning. list. Morning. Good list. I know. Thanks for you guys for having me. It's absolutely pleasure to be here. Well, it's great having you. I mean, when you hear that list of honours, do you still pinch yourself and you think, God, yeah, I did do that at Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a great time to be, you know, to be at the club. Uh, you know, we we had this amazing chemistry with each other. Uh, you know, it took time for us to, you know, to get to know each other. But once we did... It was all history. We started winning trophies and uh, and we had a great owner as well who, you know, his aim was for us to be one of the best club in the world. Uh, and we can only do, about, do that by winning trophies. And that's exactly what we did. Am I right in thinking that you're sitting beside Danny Murphy now, <laughs> but the last time you saw this man, you were squaring up to him. Yeah, in the pitch. we did. I don't think you remember. <laughs> I don't really remember. John, tell what I happened. I think it was tell when you played for Fulham. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We yeah. always used to beat us yeah. when we played for Fulham. <laughs> so I was probably angry. Yeah. And I remember Frank, uh, Super Frank, came to you know to uh, you know help us out and help us out. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, what a fantastic player he was. Thank you. Know. you. I, I played with a um, good friend of yours, actually. He always used to speak so highly of you, Dixon. Oh, Dixon, Dixon too, yeah. 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 And he actually told me that yeah, you were, for the national team, you were number 10, no? Yeah, I was a number Because for 10, Chelsea, yeah. you had all your joy playing in that kind of Makaleli role. Yeah, yeah. But you were actually a number 10 for yeah, the national yeah. team. Yeah, I started as a number 10 growing up. Um, but then when I signed for the club, when I signed for Chelsea, and then Mourinho pulled me to his office and was like, listen, I've got this, you know, I, I think you're a great number 10, but I think I see you playing more deeper because I've got a player, Makalele, who's, you know, who's about to leave the club. And it's like, you know, I've got, I think this position is going to mm. be really great for you. And then we had a chat, you know, in his office. It took me a bit of time. I watched Makalele for the first six months to watch how, you know, he played the role because, you know, it became the Makalele role and uh, it was such an important role for us at the club because everything we did at the club, that position was very, very vital for us. 
Yeah. Um, we'll get to the owner, Abramovich, in your time later on because we've got some time with you, John. We're delighted about that. <laughs> He's an ex-owner, Simon Jordan. You might remember him. <laughs> I do. I do. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. How's it? I mean, Victor Moses always speaks very, very well of you because obviously oh, you played in the same team, didn't you? Yeah. 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 yeah we did. He's in. He's, where is he now? Russia. I think he's in Russia. Yeah. 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 Now he's in Russia. Yeah. Yeah. Who do you like more, Victor Moses or Andy Johnson? Because these are the two players. Or Wilf we talk about so much. <laughs> or Wilf Zaha. Very different. Very different. But the, 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 you know, Victor and Wilfred come out of my academy. Andy, I signed, so it'll always be my academy, boys. But. My surrogate son will be Andrew Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> so, John, it could have all been so different for you, um, and I want to get into this. Yeah. How close were you to signing for Sir Alex at Ooh. Manchester United? And he wasn't happy with you, was he? He wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't. <laughs> I actually did, obviously. Um, you know, I think I was 17 back then. I was in Norway, in Oslo. And... Um, and then and then the club... I played my first game for the club, and then... Uh, the week after that, Manchester United flew into Lynn Oslo and they were like, okay, you know what? You came once to the club, you were, you know, you were young and we had you at the club for like two, three months. And, and then now you've gone away and nobody knows where you are. But, you know, here you are in Lynn Oslo in Norway. I was like, yeah, I'm here. And then obviously Fergie sent someone uh, to come down to, to, to Lynn Oslo with a, with a contract, with a pre-contract. It was like, here, you need to sign this contract because, you know, the boss wants you to sign we want you at the club and it was a special place for me as well because i was there for two three months i know the place mm. i know the likes of roy kane paul scores nicky bot we used to train together and uh, and the gaffer was like oh you need to sign this you need to sign the contract because we want you back at the club um so i was like you know what i think i might actually gonna sign this so i signed a pre-contract with with manchester united oh. <laughs> isn't that sneaky from manudo yeah, yeah that was oh, sneaky. I'm loving this, don't so. give him chance to get i know there, i know and i was sent to 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 lean oslo by chelsea uh so chelsea was looking after me and my family back then and the united got to find out where i was and then they sent they sent someone down with a contract and i was like okay we need to snatch you now we need to we need to make sure you sign for united so it came down with a contract. I think it was about a million pound then salary. Uh, so I was like, I looked at it. I was like, wow, this is a changing moment for me and my family. Mm. So I spoke to the owner of the club. He's like, you know, you've got a contract here. Chelsea haven't got a contract yet for you. So you better sign this contract. And, you know, we had a discussion for about an hour or two. And then finally I signed for United. But yeah. You signed <laughs> for United? A pre-contract. A, a pre-contract. Yeah. So what happened after that? Well, after that, obviously, uh, I did the press conference and Chelsea got to see us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm delighted to be a Manchester United player. Hold on, hold on. Good morning, that, everybody. How, how does that work? A pre-contract? What's that? How does I was it... just thinking in my own head. How does yeah, that because work? you need to be 18 as, a, as yes. an African player. You need yep. to be 18 and you might ah. need to have 75% of uh, international football yeah. before you could be able to sign a professional uh, yeah. contract with and be able to play for for the senior team uh, and then um, yeah so that was what happened so if I signed so I signed a pre-contract and once I become 18 I will then sign the so Sir Alex thought he'd got you yeah and, he thought he got me yeah. and, and by the look of it he had he was did that, was he that did. as a 10 that was a number 10 that was as a number 10 <laughs> yeah yeah exactly so, so how did United <laughs> find out that they weren't getting John Obi Mikel. Well, I had the press uh, the press conference and it was everywhere. And then obviously Roman, everybody at the club at Chelsea saw it and they were like, "What was going on here? You know, we've been looking after this player for two, three years now. Uh, what's happening here?" So obviously they sent my agent uh, down to Lynn Oslo, uh, and then he came down to uh, to Norway. 
and then a couple of hours I went missing. So I went missing. <laughs> you went missing. <laughs> yeah. So he took me out of uh, from from my uh, apartment where I used to live with a couple of my friends. So he took me out of there. I was like, listen, we need to go back to London. I need to get you out of Norway right now because what you've done right now, it's you know we into so much, so much problem with you know with Chelsea and Roman is not happy. So my agent took me uh, and took me to a hotel, and then the next morning we flew down to London. <laughs> And, and then the that. rest was history, yeah. And then it took me about a year. Uh, so I couldn't play for either United or Chelsea because FIFA was like, okay, we need to resolve this. So I went to FIFA. I was like, I signed out of, you know, I didn't mean to sign for United. Mm. And <laughs> the, the pen slipped. Yeah, the pen slipped. Yeah, exactly. My name was on the form. <laughs> so yeah, that was just happening. So, so I, when did you meet Sir Alex? And when did he get the good news? Did, was it further down the line that your paths crossed again? Yeah, actually, I had a, I, I did have a meeting with him at the FA office, you know, here in London, uh, because the FA also wanted to get involved and it was like, okay, we need to get this player playing. He's a young player. He needs to play football. So I had a meeting with Sir Alex Ferguson uh, at the FA mm-hmm. office, just me and him in the room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was spicy, that. <laughs> so I had my agent sitting outside. It was like, when you go into this meeting, everything he says, because he's going to try to brainwash yeah. you, everything he says... Just make sure you say no. So I went into that office, <laughs> into that meeting. So everything he was saying, I was like, ah, I'm sorry, boss. I can't play for United. I already, you know, uh, it was a mistake. I didn't mean to sign and blah, blah, blah. And he, I was sitting right here and he was sitting. It was a long table. You know, he was sitting right over there. And I was sitting at the edge of the table. He was sitting at the other edge of the table. And I could see him go red. He was like, are you sure? You don't want to play for United, the biggest club in the world. It's like, what is it you want? Do you want more money or what is it you want? I'll give it to you. I was like, sorry, guys. Sorry, boss. I can't play for United. Uh, I want to go to Chelsea. So we had about 20, 30 minutes, you know, in the room and he walked off and then that was it. He walked away. Yeah, he, he walked, walked away. away. He walked away. And I then, mean, he would be absolutely livid, was he? Yeah, yeah, I know. And then, then the next couple of weeks, it was like, okay, well, I'm not going to let him go for free. Uh, so, 14 million uh, to United and 4 million to Lionel Oslo. But what, but what, what was the vision? <laughs> I mean, United at that time were in their pomp. Chelsea yeah. were just getting their engine started. Roman had just come there a year before in 2003. Yeah. So you're just in the eye of the Mourinho storm, aren't you? Yeah. Frank Arneson is leaving Chelsea, going to Tottenham Hotspur, director of football. So what made you suddenly go, I tell you what, I'm going to turn down the biggest football club in the world that's got the most achievements for a club that's just about to start looking like it's got something going. Yeah, I think you got it there. I think that's the word there, just about to start. For me, right. I, I wanted to Speed go somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Speed I wanted to go somewhere where I can help, you know, create history. Because yeah. if I had gone to uh, United, you know, I wouldn't be part of the team that has won the Champions League first in you know in London. We were the first team to to win the Champions League here in London. And for me that was just about it was about creating my own ish, you know history because I know obviously United were the biggest club, you know. Is that really what you felt or is that That was is really that what I felt. you've developed over the years to answer this question. <laughs> did you really think that? It's a good question. No, you did. No, it was really. I, I you know when I look I looked at both clubs and I was like, you know, United they've won they've won so much. Uh so I, wa- I needed to go somewhere where, you know, I could create history with the players. And back then as well, you know, you had the likes of Michael Essien, did you yeah, drop African yeah, players yeah. going to, sure. to, you know, to Chelsea. For me, I looked at that, I was like, okay, you know what, where, sh- where am I going to feel more comfortable? Sure. And also, where am I going to create my own, my own a history? Revolution. Well, yeah, to exactly. be fair to yeah. you, John, I mean, United's loss was very much Chelsea's gain. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan.
from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. I want to slow it down, and I hope you're okay with me asking you this. Luis Diaz scores at Luton at the weekend, and of course, his parents kidnapped in Colombia taken away I think at a service station his mother has been returned safe his father is still being held John am I right this takes me back yeah you and I were on Sky yeah some years ago do you want to tell the listeners this morning on TalkSport why you're on with me and what had happened with your dad yeah so I mean yeah my I remember that um, obviously Um, you know my dad got kidnapped uh, while I was playing for the national team at the World Cup uh, 2018 I think in Russia uh, group stages, uh, knockout stages. We we're about to play against Argentina. Uh, so two hours before the game, uh, I got a phone call from my brother saying that my dad has been kidnapped for the second time. He's been Where? kidnapped Where? first. In, uh, first in Nigeria. Time. Yeah, in Nigeria. He was kidnapped first time. Uh, you know, and I spoke to the you know to the kidnappers, and they, they and they demanded lots of money from me, which I did eventually had to pay before my dad got uh, got released. But the second time happened while I was at the national team playing for my country. Uh, uh, knockout stages against Argentina. Two hours before the game, I got this phone call from my brother <clears throat> saying that dad has been kidnapped again for the second time. So for me, that was absolutely shocking. The first time was was shocking, but the second time was even more shocking because I was going, go, I was, you know, about to go into one of the biggest game of my, you know, of my life. Uh, but just knowing that my dad has been kidnapped again, for me, it was, it was absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, I couldn't leave the room. I couldn't tell anybody. I was alone in the room for about an hour, about about thirty minutes, thinking, "What what am I going to do? Should I tell the the manager? Should I tell my 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 teammates? Or should I make an announcement?" But we're about to go into the biggest game, you know, of of our lives. You know, we're about to play against uh, Lionel Messi and Argentina. So I thought about it. You know, I was like, "Okay, you know what? I'm going to keep quiet." I told I called my mom. My mom was crying. My brothers, everybody was crying on the phone. They were like, no, you shouldn't go out and play because you know you're not going to be able to perform well. This is this is this is what are you going to do? So I was like, so I, I was like, you know, I took time on my own and I decided, you know what, I'm going to go out there and perform. I'm going to go out there and play. So I didn't tell anybody. I went on the pitch and I played. I played the game. Sadly, we didn't win the game. Uh, and then after that, I told everybody, and it was you could see in the dressing room, the manager, everybody was. Some of the players were, you know, were like almost in tears. Were like. You know, you should, you should, you know, you should have told her. You shouldn't have played. But I can relate to Luis Diaz. What do you know? What is going through this? This kind of situation, a situations whereby you absolutely have nothing to do. You just have to wait because they will call you. They will demand for this. They will demand for that. They will say if you don't, if you don't do what we want, we're gonna shoot your dad. We're gonna kill him. Because I had my dad on the phone crying on the phone. I was like, please, can you give them what they want? Because they, they, you know, I've, be, I've been beaten up here. And they've got gun. Uh, they've got a gun on my head every time, saying they're gonna kill you. They're gonna kill uh, kill me if if you don't give them the money that they want. So you managed to get them released. Yeah, I managed to pay lots of money to you know to get my dad released. Was it the same group the first time who kidnapped him the second time? A different group. The, the the group that kidnapped him the first time they were found, they're in prison. Uh, they went to prison, and the second group as well they were found as well. They went to prison. Ah, they got done. Yeah. What did you done, think yeah. when you heard about? Luis Diaz's situation. Uh, I was watching on TV. I, I could feel exactly how he was feeling uh, because, again, like I say, you need people. Ar- you need people around you. You need your family around you. You need friends to be able to calm you down, talk mm. to you, mm. and uh, mm. that's uh, the most difficult time of your, you know, of your Would life. Would you be tempted to get in touch with them, John? 
Yeah, of course I will be because I mean I I feel exact I know exactly how he's feeling and for him to come out and perform the other day and 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 score for Liverpool I mean it's a massive thing it's a massive you know it's a massive performance he put on there, but I will say you know this situation is so so heartbreaking and um, until you 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 go through it you you mm. you can't really you don't really know exactly what he's going through but I can relate to that really. How is your dad? Is My dad okay? is fine. My dad is fine. Um, you know, but. Again, those situations teach you, you grow up as a person, you grow up learning so much. Um, you know, I remember my dad, you know, coming out and saying, you you know, I was almost, they were going to shoot. I was, I was 100% that they were going to shoot me. They were going to kill me. And for some reason, it got to a point whereby the money wasn't important for them because they knew that if they, if they release me, they will be found. So... I could hear them saying, talking to themselves. One of them was like, "Let's just shoot him and, and just let's just shoot him and put him on the sidewalk and just, you know, leave him there." You heard them say, that. "Yeah, yeah." My dad was like, "Let's let's just." The, when when he was released, he was telling me that he thought he, you know, they were gonna kill him because he could hear them talking to each other saying, "Let's just shoot him because if we do release him or if we do take the money, we will be found." And I, I don't know the situation, you know or the conversation that he's having with the kidnappers right now. Because, but what happened is that they do call you and make certain demands. And and if you say, okay, I'm going to pay, they, they go even higher. They're like, if they say, okay, for example, we want a million pound. Mm. And if you say, okay, I agree to that, I'm going to send you a million pound. Two. They want two. Mm. So at the end of the day, it, it has to come to a point whereby you don't know what to do. And mm. that was uh, the state that I came to where I was like, you know what, guys, I'm going to give you this. You have to release my dad. And eventually they, you know, they agreed to that. There's not much you can do, John, is there? It sounds almost too too obvious to say it, mm. Simon. He's in World Cup duty in Russia. You, you, you've got no control of what's going on back with yeah. your family in Nigeria. Yeah. Yeah. Luis Diaz is playing his heart out for Liverpool. Yeah. He's got no control over what's happened to his mum and dad who go into a service station in Colombia. Mm, mm. I mean, that's exactly what you say. I think my dad was at work. He finished work when he, you know, and he was driving home and all of a sudden he got he, he got this car pulled over and told him to pull over. And then he pulled over and yeah, that's how he was taken. You, you were amazing that day, if I may say so, at yeah. Sky. Because you were under so much pressure. I remember you were on with myself and I think Georgie Thompson was on yeah, with the, yeah, the two of us. Yeah. You were constantly looking at on your phone. phone. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, I was constantly looking and, 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 and that was uh, the time where I've already sent the money to them and hoping that they, they will they will accept my offer. And that's why I kept checking my phone and, and to see that if they've accepted or if it's been released. Do you want to use us here in Talk Sport to put out a message to Luis Diaz this morning what would you like to say to Luis yeah, I hope I mean I hope um, you know I know exactly what you know what you're going through and what he's you know what he's going through and I hope you know he stays strong uh, I mean I know it's a tough time for him uh, as a player uh, and I know his family as well what they're going through because sometimes you look at it you think it's just you, you know you have your brothers you have your mom you have your sisters and what they will be going through it's absolutely heartbreaking. So, I, you know, my message to him is stay strong and do all you can to make sure that, you know, you know, you know, your dad is, is released. And, and the good thing is that also back then Chelsea were very supportive. I, I must say that. The world's most dangerous download. Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station. Talk sport. Danny, it's fair to say you, along with many ex-pros who played the game at the highest level, cannot relate to what's going on with VAR. You're fed up with it, so much so to the point of scrap it. Many of you think, 
scrap it. We'll get to, to your reaction in a second. The debate rumbles on about VAR. So we thought this week on our show and we pushed and pushed and it happened. The head of IFAB, um, football's lawmakers. We got in touch with IFAB. The chief executive is a man called Lucas Brood. And of course, after what happened the other night at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, with so many um, breakups in place, so many instances of VAR, we thought this is the best time of all to be speaking to Lucas Brood of IFAB, the people who brought us VAR. And we did exactly that. So we said to Lucas to kick it all off regarding VAR, how do IFAB, your organisation, feel about how it's going? From an IFAB perspective, we are happy that football got to a point where VAR is working in most cases. We have to remember we are talking about human beings interacting with each other. We are talking about human beings who are helping, trying to help and find major mistakes in the game. We brought it in to improve the decision-making, improve the fairness of the decision-making for all the teams involved. When we look at statistics alone, and I know that there is a difference between statistics and perception, uh, but when we look at statistics alone, improving decision-making from 92 to 99 and more percent, I think this is um, should uh, answer most of the questions. It's not a perfect system. We knew from the beginning it will take probably a decade until everything really settles down and, and everyone is happy with the way it's working. But again, I think we are happy that it is working and in thousands and thousands and thousands of matches played every weekend, people are satisfied that there is a VAR. Um, so we have to be patient, but we have to also accept it's not a 100% accurate system. But here in England, in a match uh, at the weekend, after a goal was given for a club against another manager's club, that manager was saying, I feel sick. I feel embarrassed. What would you say to someone like him who's almost given up on it? I think people need to be patient that sometimes it takes longer, sometimes it's more complicated than we think to make sure we get to the to the best decision. But it's difficult to, you know, to make everyone happy. And um, But we are confident that, uh, as I said, in the vast, vast majority of matches, VAR uh, is almost silent. You, you don't see them. Uh, they communicate uh, with the referees. They help them if we're needed. But sometimes things get complicated um, and uh, we have to be we have to accept that one of the biggest issues for fans here Lucas is that they want to hear what's going on like they do in rugby is it your belief that that won't work in football that's a big step because obviously there are different match officials or multiple match officials talking to each other it's very difficult to provide something to the outside world where you know you hear different voices you hear different protocols and different you know conversations and um why do people want to hear it uh, because they want to know what was decided and that's why we we have taken the big step to make announcement in stadiums following a var review this is uh, has been tested since the beginning of the year in fifa competitions and and uh, it's very likely that we will extend this to other competitions as well who would like to test this to to see if it works for their football environment are we ever going to get to the point that we have more and more technology and less and less of a human element? I think technology should support match officials when needed. When we look at VAR itself, sometimes things take time. 
to get to the best decision. Um, and sometimes it's very difficult to identify, for example, offside position, offside offense. So a little bit more will still come in because there are developments in, I'm sure you're familiar with semi-automated offside technology. And I think there are developments in that uh, with that as well. Um, so I think we're needed um, and we're helpful to take quicker decisions and better decisions. Technology will uh, will be helpful for sure. Uh, but on the other hand, we don't want to separate professional football even more from grassroots, from the amateur game, with bringing technology that is only possible to be used on, on a professional level. But it's not technology that helps, in general, match officials to take decisions. So I think this is this is going to be the, let's say, the, the border that we probably won't cross, is that technology will decide for the match officials. What would you say to those who are listening to us at this moment, Lucas, and say, no, it's ruined the game. I want it scrapped now. I think this is a decision that has to be taken by football itself. Uh, and, and I understand the frustrations and I'm a football fan myself and um, I wasn't sure whether this is something that will really help. But when we did the first two years of testing and we saw that, uh, as I mentioned earlier, 92% decision-making accuracy in match-changing uh, moments. And this is important to remember. This, the, the VAR is not reviewing every sing a single foul, not every single, but match-changing moments that I think when we look at 92% to 99.4% in the testing phase alone, I think this is the this is what everyone's goal should be when we use VAR. Is there a feeling at IFAB that a good idea would be to fast-track former players and get them in the VAR truck? The principle is minimum interference, maximum benefit. This is what we said from the beginning. In order to be able to interfere the, at the minimum, you need to really know the laws of the game. You really need to know the referee's job. You really have to be a referee also on the highest level to be able to see a situation and say, go on. Ignore it because they know exactly what might have happened, whether there's anything that the referee might have missed or there's an, a, you know room for interpretation. They will know best. I will never say it's a nonsense idea. That's, that's not the case. Uh, but I think referees are the better qualified people to do that job. So that's Lucas Brood, the chief executive at IFAB, who says, no, we're not going to kick this out. We're not going to say this is nonsense because by and large, VAR is working. Now, he says, amongst other things, that when it was brought in in 2019-2020, get used to it. We're going to give it time to bed in. He said, we won't really know just how well it's done or otherwise until the end of this decade. It was brought in to improve decision making. He says it's taking time, but they're getting there. It's not perfect, and it concedes that. Is that not fair, what we've heard from Lucas Brood this morning? Yeah, it's pretty obvious stuff. Yeah, I, I um, for me, it's a very simple question, which is, is football better now we have VAR than before? Yeah. In terms of an entertainment business and a spectacle. Not in terms of the correct decisions, no, not, not numbers. Is it better for supporters to have more right decisions and all the stoppages and all the drama that comes with it, or was football better before? No, it I wasn't think brought we... in to entertain, was it? No, but this is a factor. And this is where it needs to get to. The and fact. The... So, so this is a factor, isn't it? In, in, it's not brought in to entertain, of course. I get that. 
is brought in to get, to get decisions. more decisions yeah. right than wrong, but is that, which it's got. Yeah, but is is that everybody's priority who goes to watch football? But it shouldn't be a trade-off. It shouldn't need to be a trade-off. The issue is, and the, the, the football's got to accept, is football's in an entertainment business. So there were two reasons why it was brought in. One, because people carped and bitched and whined endlessly and repeatedly about every single decision. Yeah. And two, it affects outcomes that people really can be je- put into jeopardy as a result of teams get relegated, people lose World Cups, whatever the, uh, the situation people is. Win World and there needs to be maturing in this industry. Because it cannot be the biggest game in the world and the only game that can't embrace technology, right? Mm. Every other sport does it. What they've got to do is they've... They, they, first of all, the messaging's been wrong since the get-go. It's a load of old tripe to suggest that you need 10 years worth of empirical data to be able to tell you whether something's working or not. This is not a clinical test for pharmaceutical drug testing. This is based upon conclusive evidence in front of you over a body of time. You can clearly now evaluate... The, and, he, and, he, and he does it in the argument. He says, we've got 99.4% of the decisions that we involve ourselves in correct. Danny and I would say, well, so you bloody well should. That's the job. It isn't to do it worse, was it? So they can evaluate it. What they've got to do is they've got to look at the, the messaging that's been put in place, this ridiculous characterization that has been put into play that that's all of a sudden, once you've got VAR and digital alongside you, there's never going to be another mistake made. Right? That's the first messaging that should have been put out there better. The second scenario is is that you are, like I say, you're in the sports entertainment business. You cannot make football the global phenomenon that it is and allow VAR. I'm an advocate for VAR. I've been a campaigner for it, but even I am getting fed up with the decision-making processes that are taking so much time Mm. because we've opened up this Pandora box of how many decisions the referees have got to make. The on-field referees would never have to make three decisions like the uh, the off-field referees are being asked to make now because they would have made one decision that had been done Mm. and we still would have the endless carping and complaining. I it's would it, say it adds to the entertainment value. N- n- I no, would say it no. adds to the drama. I think, no, Look I, at Monday night. I think I no, think you, you ju- can say there are moments where it creates tension and adds to, to the spectacle. Yes, takes, there are yes, moments. It but takes over, away spontaneity. Oh, yeah, the the overall feeling and the biggest thing for me and, and a lot of people I speak to, supporters, players, I've heard players and managers talk about it. I mean so many times is the spontaneity thing when a goal goes in that magic moment as a supporter if you're with your dad or you're with your sister or you you know whoever you go to match with the first time you go yes. as a player that feeling of scoring that goal yeah, I know, but, and then having it taken away but now it stops not- you jumping about like a lunatic when it, the goal should not have stood so it saves you that embarrassment, no, doesn't what, it? So, so what used? Wow, to... you celebrated that well, didn't you? Here's the idea. But that that but, wasn't a goal. But it very rarely happened, Jim, because you could always look across, and if the offside flags down, you've scored. Yeah. Or the ref's whistle gone, it's done. You know, everyone's ecstatic in that moment together. Now, moving that forward, because we've heard that argument before, so we're just going over old ground. If the offsides, which is the biggest problem in terms of the the, the checking of offsides for yeah, goals, yeah. If that, as Simon and I were talking before, can become automated, it has to be automated. So. So quickly, the re- the referee is got it. It's here. It's off. Bum. If his flag's down, it's not off. That takes away a huge problem of people's grievances with VAR. But also, I also think that VAR has not helped itself in any shape or form. If it can be, if wrong. you if you want data analysts, which is what you're asking them to be, you don't send. You know, you don't send uh, a, a substitute biology teacher in to analyse scans. You send a radiologist in, right? So if you want someone to be a data analyst, which is what these guys are doing, it's a very different skill set from being a referee. So you've got to be able to be professional in all aspects. You've opened this can of worms with problems. I do think that the only way you're going to get out of it is automation. I think the only way you're going to square this particular circle, because you are 
now. Sports is entertainment. It's not just about the outcome of a football match. It's about how it's packaged, how it's sold around the world, how advertisers can wrap their model around the advertising breaks, and how broadcasters can make it broadcastable. And you, and with due respect to the intrigue and jeopardy, it became a bit of a laughing stock. Mm. I think on sun on on Monday, on Monday because it it's how many more ridiculous permutations of time consumption are we going to have for a decision to be made? And the only that, problem is with the automation stuff, and I think I agree with you, is that you still then leave the you know, for example, if you talk to Gary, the last two Wolves penalties are a joke, right? There should never yeah. be penalty. Ninety nine point nine people watching him just go, they both dived, they both stitched, and the VAR have, have looked at it and gone, yeah, it's a, it's a pen. I mean, that automation can't change that, so you're still going to have these moments. But they would become a lot less, and you would lose the argument of... Maybe players not cheating would change that. Well, that would help. Download, stand well back, listen. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you get your podcast from. We'll be back tomorrow to bring you the best of the show. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.